All right, everybody. Hello, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, April 20th, 2017. April 20th, folks, Adolf Hitler's birthday. Don't read into it. Um, I want to thank everybody for your prayers and well wishes. Last week, and I've still got a bit of it, uh, last week I had a really bad case of peritonsillitis. In other words, my right tonsil was swollen. Uh, I had to have an antibiotic uh, IV drip. It's just been a miserable two weeks, let me tell you. Uh, I haven't been blogging as much as I normally have. I've just been resting. Thank you to KM, who has been providing some blogs in the interim on and that incidentally is a new feature folks we are going to allow people to write articles subject to our approval for blogging uh, we just allowed km some of her articles to appear this last week and a, a big thank you to her because that took some of the pressure off and allowed me to uh, do some rest and recuperation but anyway last week folks i simply couldn't talk at all so um I, I want to thank everybody for your prayers and well wishes. And we're slowly getting back into the saddle. And today, case in point, we have an article from F. William Engdahl that I think is very, very important that you all go out and read. This was uh, an article that was shared by Ms. M.W. And it's called, Is Euro Land on the Verge of Disintegration? And I'm increasingly taking the view that it's looking very, very shaky for the euro. I want to read several paragraphs from Mr. Engdahl's article and to refresh your memory about a couple of things and make a couple of my usual high-octane predictions. So let's start with the paragraph right under the subject header, German austerity medicine is killing the patient. Quote, a major problem is that the Eurozone economies have been forced to impose the wrong medicine to deal with the 2008 financial and economic crisis. The Eurozone crisis has been wrongly seen as states spending too wildly and labor costs rising too high. The Euro, pardon me, so again, under German pressure, the Eurozone countries in crisis, such as Greece, have been forced to impose draconian austerity, slash pensions, cut wages, and so on. The result has been even worse economic recession and rising unemployment, rising bank bad loans, so that by 2015, Greece's gross domestic product had declined by more than 26%, Spain's by 6%, Portugal by 7%, and Italy's by almost 10% compared with 2008. Across the Eurozone, more than 19 million workers are jobless. And incidentally, I suspect that these figures are low, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Greece, Italy, Portugal, and Spain have a, to a total of an unprecedented 11 million unemployed workers. In France and Italy, the employment is over 13%, of the labor force. In Spain, it is 20%, and in Greece, a staggering 25%. This is all the state of economic affairs more than eight years after the 2008 crisis. In short, 
there has been no economic recovery in Euroland. Since 2009, the European Central Bank, the Bank of the Euro, has made unprecedented moves to stabilize the banking crisis. They have only postponed and not improved the situation. Today, as a result of the European Central Bank buying of mortgage bonds, corporate bonds, state bonds, and asset-backed securities, the European Central Bank balance sheet is more than 1.5 trillion euros. The ECB, whose president is Italian Mario Draghi, has held interest rates in an unprecedented negative interest rates around 0.4%, pardon me, minus 0.4% since June of 2014. <coughs> the European Central Bank has made it clear that negative central bank interest rates will remain for some time. This is leading to some to try to convince voters to go to a cashless society as India did last year with drastic consequences and as Sweden, not a Euro country, has largely done. If banks continue to charge their customers a fee for using customers' deposits, an incredible thought for most people, people would simply take the money and run into gold or other safe assets or cash. And folks, that is indeed what I think has been going on uh, with this so-called cashless experiment. People don't trust it. I don't blame them. And I suspect what they're doing is they're putting a certain amount of their liquidity and assets into actual hard assets like gold and bullion and things that they can trade with in case this whole experiment blows up in their face. It is not a solution. Now, I mentioned I was going to talk about these unemployment figures that Mr. Engdahl is citing here. Uh, I suspect that these figures, as they are in the United States, are tinkered with and that we're not being told the whole story. This website has members in France, in Spain, in Italy, in Greece, and so on. And the last time I talked directly with any of them, particularly in Spain, they indicated that the government figures are far too low and that the unemployment is much, much more drastic than the European authorities, be it in Madrid or Rome or Athens, are actually saying. All right. So I suspect that that's probably the case. And this is, I think, going to have a huge influence on the French and German elections. But let me continue with Mr. Engdahl's article because I want to indulge in some really high-octane speculation today. He goes on to say this under the section called A Coming Currency War. Quote, so to put it gently, the Eurozone is a ticking debt time bomb ready to blow at the slightest new shock or crisis. We may well see that shock in the next two years once Britain has completed its exit from the EU. And this is where it's very good. Already the new administration of Donald Trump in Washington has signaled a potential launch of a currency war against the euro. On January 31st, U.S. trade czar Peter Navarro accused Germany of using a, quote, grossly undervalued euro to exploit, unquote, the U.S. and Germany's EU partners. Navarro went on to call Germany the core of the Eurozone economies a de facto currency manipulator. 
Navarro has stated, while the euro freely floats in international currency markets, this system deflates the German currency from where it would be if the German Deutschmark were still in existence. Let me stop right there. Because this is the heart of the issue. And I think that Engdahl is correct, that we're watching and have been watching, folks, a quiet currency economic war taking place between the United States and Germany for quite some time. I think this is ultimately the issue behind American intervention in the Ukraine and that whole mess between uh, America basing its uh, military bases now in Poland and the Baltic states. It's the same old game that has been played for quite some time, uh, and I think all of this is a kind of quiet, covert war between these two countries, the whole reason being, again, to prevent a German-Russian rapprochement. Now, why do I say that Engdahl is dead on here? Well, let's go back in history and remember what led to the euro was precisely the old exchange rate mechanism. And if you'll recall, the, in the exchange rate mechanism, there were various countries in Europe that had their currency pegged to the Deutschmark, all right? Countries like Denmark, Holland, Austria, and so on had their national currencies pegged to the Deutschmark within certain narrow bands of fluctuation. Their currencies were allowed to float, but they could not go outside those parameters of fluctuation at the higher low end vis-a-vis -vis the Deutschmark. Otherwise, the German Bundesbank would come in and re-establish those currencies either by buying them or selling them within those exchange rate fluctuation uh, parameters, all right? That was the exchange rate mechanism. Things got going when France joined that mechanism, and once it did, by pegging the franc to the Deutschmark, the conditions were set for the creation of the euro, all right? So in other words, the way I want you to think of the euro is that, in effect, the euro is the old exchange rate mechanism grown now to huge proportions to embrace all of Europe. And what the American ministers here are saying is essentially correct. If you were to look at the Eurozone as an exchange rate mechanism and assume that the Deutschmark were still there, you would discover that they are very, very carefully manipulating the value all right, of the euro. And this is what's going on. Now, this is all backdrop for what Engdahl now says. And I want you to understand all of this because it's crucial to hear him now in what he's now going to propose. Quote, Britain, with the vast financial resources of the city of London, once free from the shackles of EU membership, could well join with Washington in a full-scale covert currency war to bring down the euro, something that would have devastating consequences for the eurozone economies. Why? Because, well, they've pegged their economies to the German economy, all right? Britain's pound is the third largest global payments currency after the dollar and the euro. 
if Britain, free from the restraints of the EU, can bring down the euro, the pound could become a major gainer in the currency war with Britain on the side of Washington against the fragile eurozone with their Italian, Greek, Spanish, and other problems. So in other words, it's all being blamed on Southern Europe again. Already British Prime Minister Theresa May is in discussions with the Trump administration about forging, listen to this carefully, a bilateral U.S.-U.K. trade agreement and some in influential circles in the United Kingdom are talking of inviting the U.S.A. to become an associate member of the British Commonwealth. All right? So in other words, I think what you're hearing here, and I think Engdahl is correct, you're going to see bilateral trade agreements in the form of allowing direct bilateral currency swap. This is a new feature that has been emerging on the world financial stage, particularly if you look at the way the BRICS block has been doing things. We have seen the emergence of these bilateral currency agreements between India and Iran, between China and Russia, and so on, where they're trading with each other directly in their national currencies, bypassing the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. So, in other words, what Engdahl is saying is you're going to see that arrangement now start to happen and include the United States and the U.S. dollar. So where is this going to leave the great big grand Europe experiment, all right? This is where I think it gets interesting because there will be a German, in other words, European, but in reality, German response to these developments, all right? One of the things I suspect you're going to see in Europe, you might see a softening of the austerity policies coming out of Berlin and Brussels, but I suspect much more importantly, you're going to see an increasing independence on the part of those Southern European countries, particularly in the case of Italy and Spain, and they are going to start going their own direction in some of these bilateral trade agreements. And I suspect you're going to see them doing so with Russia, <laughs> okay? Now, this is going to be an interesting development because I suspect that the other thing playing here in the background is not necessarily even high unemployment, austerity, a, a weak banking system, and so on. The other thing I think that is crippling Europe is precisely the sanctions regime. And you've heard European politicians talking about this from time to time, not necessarily at the national level, unless you're listening to people like uh, Marine Le Pen and so on. But at the state level in Europe, you're seeing a great deal of dissatisfaction at state level in Europe with these sanction arrangements. So I'm looking for Europe maybe not to disintegrate, but I do suspect you're going to see much more independence from the member nation states, particularly the larger economies, Spain, Italy, and so on, eventually France, depending on the outlook of those elections in France, 
and how that will spread to the rest of Europe. So more bilateral arrangements coming down the pike. And if that's the case, it's going to be very, very interesting indeed to see if indeed the euro can hold together or if they split the whole thing apart and go back to some sort of exchange rate mechanism. Now, if the euro does fall, folks, do not expect a return to purely national currencies because I do think you're going to see the old exchange rate mechanism come back. It's going to be once again centered on Germany. It's going to include the national currencies of, of Denmark, Holland, Belgium, Austria, uh, the Czech Republic, and so on. Uh, in other words, it will be a smaller sort of eurozone with a restored Deutschmark at the heart of it. But, you know, time will tell. A lot is going to depend on how much chutzpah these nations have. Eventually, I think it's got to happen because the European Union is simply not addressing the looming banking crisis that they're confronting. And sooner or later, that means that the individual nations are going to have to take matters into their own hands. So interesting times afoot, folks. Uh, potentiality of real full-scale currency and economic war between the United States and Britain and the Eurozone, meaning Germany. So watch for the responses, folks. That's it. Again, I want to thank everybody uh, for your prayers and, and heartfelt good wishes. Now, for those of you inquiring about when the next vid chat will be, um, depending on how my voice handles today uh, with this news and views, I may have the next vid chat, a makeup vid chat, next Friday at 7 p.m. So watch for the schedule. Uh, it all depends, again, on if I think I'm up to it uh, physically. But anyway, thank you for all of your prayers and good wishes, everybody, and we'll see you on the flip side. God bless.